Welcome to the seventh episode of Outside Innovation, which is the podcast version of my weekly blog that you can find at paulataylor.com. So, how do you solve a problem like the NHS? There comes a point when numbers get so big as to become near incomprehensible. There's almost 5 million people waiting for health treatment in England alone, and almost 1.2 million of them have been waiting at least six months for vital appointments. Some within the NHS say that in reality that number is far, far greater, with perhaps no one even knowing the true number. I'm currently in recovery, following an operation that, touching wood, finishes off my extended exposure to the NHS last year. So I've been in the fairly unusual position of being an inpatient both at the very height of the pandemic in April 2020 and its low point a year and a half later. By no way am I an expert on the NHS, but I would say I've now built up a degree of patient user experience that I didn't have two years ago. So as a kind of innovation challenge, where would you start with tackling the NHS problem? Well, first of all, what actually is the problem? My experience has been uniformly excellent and only ever let down by a creaking admin that admittedly became much improved through technology during the pandemic. However, it seems to be true that once you're in the system, the system largely works for you. However, gaining access to that system, especially if you're not an emergency, is a hopelessly disjointed experience. And many people working within it are simply exhausted. Even before the pandemic, NHS workers were taking an average of 14 days off sick every year, compared to four for the average UK worker. Perhaps the biggest problem for the NHS is that you just can't have a sensible conversation about it. If you criticise it in any way, especially publicly, the assumption is that you want to privatise it. League tables have been used to support arguments that UK health service is one of the best in the world, and the same league tables have been used to illustrate that it's a failing system. For most actual users, it's neither of these things. So this obsession with deifying the NHS and its employees is actually unhelpful for everyone. The truth is that the NHS is sometimes great, sometimes brilliant, it's often not so great, and sometimes it's just plain bad. But in truth, it's nowhere near close to being the best healthcare system in the world. Perhaps because we're dealing with multiple problems, we need a multiplicity of solutions. Problem solving should be a priority for the NHS, rather than disruptive innovation, in my opinion. As Greg Sattel has written in a different context, we have the power to shape our path by making better choices. A good first step would be to abandon the cult of disruption that served us so poorly and begin to once again invest in stability and resilience, creating better and safer technology, more competitive and stable markets, and a happier, more productive workforce. The most famous quote attributed to Henry Ford is, if I asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. We don't need faster horses is the cry of would-be innovators everywhere. But in the NHS, I'd argue that faster horses are exactly what we need right now. The NHS is observably an environment where efficiencies desperately need to be gained. And on tight budgets, a lot of that will have to be through marginal gains and frugal person-centred improvement, a sort of healthcare jagad. Jagad innovation is a Hindi word that roughly means solution born from cleverness. It's usually applied to a low-cost fix or workaround. In a culture where people often have to make do with what they have, it's an improvised or makeshift solution using scarce resources. Now, I'm not saying we should rule out innovation altogether in the NHS and only focus on the basics, but a greater emphasis needs to be placed on harnessing and developing ideas and spreading them across the system. 
NHS employees will tell you of something working on one ward that's been shut down because it doesn't fit in with the overall plan. In any complex system, there's often a drive to scaling up and making things consistent, which destroys some local innovation. Small, localised and spreadable is often more sustainable and might be perfect for the NHS. It's also clear when talking to staff that many are victims to the very large number of administrators in the NHS and the urge to keep changing things. Many talk of process changes happening all the time, something that has accelerated during COVID. The effects of this constant change trickle right through the system. Employees wake up wanting to do something good and find there are new regulations and new, new rules in place that can act as a barrier. Of course, there's a whole other set of problems outside the immediate control of the NHS. If the primary problem in the UK is demand, then that needs to be tackled. We're living longer, we're getting fatter, and people now have more chronic and complicated diseases. The Office for National Statistics attributes just 5% of total healthcare expenditure to preventative healthcare. Just 5% on prevention. So we need to remove the politics from this debate and have a sensible conversation about how much of GDP we're going to commit to not just treating problems, but preventing them in the first place. The NHS has myriad innovation programmes, challenges and accelerators, and it's not for me to judge any of these. However, it's clear that right now there's a capacity issue, meaning the people, services and systems who would stand to benefit most from innovation end up missing out. So perhaps it's time for the NHS to focus employees on becoming better localised problem solvers who can work on existing real-world issues that staff and patients face every day. Revolutionising the NHS is less likely to come from some grand plan and more likely to result from local Trojan mice changing small things in big ways, attacking new problems and spreading new ways of working. Not winning wars, but infiltrating new territory. And all of that requires a less abrasive form of politics, a more forgiving internal culture, and a little less hero worship. Not easy to achieve, but absolutely worth fighting for. So we've had a few comments on uh, this post, so I'm just going to pick a few of them. Uh, PPMI, um, Progressing Prisoners Maintaining Innocence, commented on Twitter, isn't the NHS more a symptom of serious underfunding than it is a problem? Well, you know, the underfunding argument is complex. I'd agree there's a problem in getting the right funding to the right places, but we all know from all our organisations that pouring money onto problems rarely ends well. Uh, MH Innovation commented that bottom-up rather than top-down is always better and those who do the job know how to do it better. Unfortunately, the NHS is full of egos. They like to control and tell. Uh, comments that family have had tremendous support through the pandemic with several serious issues and have been dealt with rapidly, but other health, health regions seem to have had to access problems and delays. As you suggest, Paul, there are things that can be learned from better performing organisations. Yeah, I think that's true. And I do agree in a kind of the need for a change of philosophy. And in my glass off full moments, I think that's achievable with the NHS. But that said, I know how hard it is to bring about change in relatively small organisations without any of the external barriers uh, the NHS faces. Uh, Singal Nandita commented, um, yes, yeah, small, localised and spreadable is often more sustainable. Statement is true, and sometimes small changes lead to overall large change. When we lived in England, we had no complaints of the NHS, but luckily we had medical insurance, so could choose to go privately when needed. 
despite that, when it came to serious stuff, it was always the NHS was the first port of call. Yeah, thanks for that comment. You know, maybe talk of fixing something as huge as the NHS is just unhelpful because it's unfixable. Like the environment, it's too complex, and we can only ever really hope for improvement rather than a completely fully functioning system. Uh, Wendy Lansdowne um, shared in one of the comments a link to a really interesting article I'll try and link to uh, from the New Yorker looking at why people in Costa Rica live longer than they do in the United States. And it kind of concludes that public health and medical care are largely separate enterprises within the US and the UK. And Costa Rica shows the benefits of integrating the two, spending less than we do on healthcare, getting better results. It's really interesting piece and it's certainly it seems a much more holistic view of health well-being and care than we have and finally i've just been discussing this with my good friend shirley has made the comment that maybe the answer is just really simple let's do something about all the management waste so maybe we're back to let's fire all the managers as uh, gary hamill said Thank you for listening to Outside Innovation. And as always, it'd be appreciated if you subscribe to this wherever you are listening. And even better, if you leave a positive review, five stars only, please. See you next time. Thank you.